In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Hey guys, welcome in. Starting cold today. Uh, this is a much different podcast today. Uh, this is Hogan Johns. We're glad you're here. Um, we purposely pushed back a pod that we would normally have yesterday to today because we knew we were going to hear some uh, very important things from some very important Bears players. And uh, what you're about to hear was already our plan, but wow, did Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, and Allen Robinson blow us away today. Right, Johns? There's a lot to it. It's more than... Mike Lennon aggregated stories. There's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of real feelings. There's a lot of heartbreaking things to get through. I would just say, watch if you can on, on the Bears website. Listen to this and learn. Yeah, so what we want to do is really step aside. Uh, you're not going to hear from us too much in this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles are talking tomorrow. We'll hear from Mitch for the first time since the season ended, the first time since the Bears traded for Nick Foles. We'll talk some football. Whatever football conversation was in these conversations today, we will break it down like we normally do on tomorrow's episode. What we really felt like is important today uh, and really important for the world right now is to listen. Listen to voices that matter more than ours, quite frankly. And Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, and Allen Robinson, uh, their voices matter more than ours, uh, especially with the topic of conversation. And I realize because of the world we live in right now that people are going to object to that. I'm sure we will get some type of nasty review put up on iTunes about how We're too political just because we're taking the time to address uh, what is way more important than football right now. And by the way, the head coach of the Chicago Bears said the same thing today. So if you're one of those people that has that immediate reaction, it's even more important that you just sit back and listen to to this today. I'll just say that these are three of the most respected and revered players on this Bears team. On the field, off the field, just listen to what they have to say. So we'll jump right into it. Let's start with Akeem Hicks. Do I think that the NFL stance is going to change or has changed? Yeah, about the protests, yes. Or about kneeling specifically. Mm. Yeah, so it's a a tough answer. It's a tough answer that I have to give, man. I I would say that, uh, you know, I think it was clear that uh, at at the beginning of it all that um, there wasn't a lot of support, right? From, from just our business as a whole, right? Every aspect of our business, whether it be fans watching or, or ownership or, or, you know, 
I'd go as far to say some players around the league, right? And um, I would say that the, the underlying meaning was understood, but regardless of, of what he was standing for, I think that, um, you know, the, the picture was painted in a way to make him the, uh, you know, as he was the aggressor or he was trying to make the situation, you know, uh, um, about something different. And uh, everything's clear now, right, that we come out on the other side of this in 2020. And um, it's unfortunate that that young man had to sacrifice his career in order to bring attention and light to it, right? And uh, in talking to a lot of players across the league, uh, there's been several guys that I've talked to that feel like that they would have done something different, that they wish they had done something different at the time, that they wish they had been more supportive. And, um, you know, for fear of, you know, whether it was their job, for fear of whether it was, you know, uh, blackballing themselves, um, as it did happen to Kaepernick, uh, a lot of people didn't stand up with him, myself included. Uh, I would say this, everything's clear now. Um, do I feel like there's going to be an effective change, you know, from our business as a whole? I don't know. Can't say. I've seen a lot. This isn't the first case. This isn't the first time I've seen something like this happen, you know? So. Hey, Keem, um, I realize this is all kind of fresh in the last few days and guessing what's going to happen a few months from now is, is probably hard, but just what was your reaction to the uh, two-hour meeting you had Monday um, as a team? And did that give you any type of hope that it, it will be different this time around? What will be different? Well, just basically everything you just said about, you know, the NFL not really embracing uh, not just what Colin Kaepernick was doing, but in, in large part missing the point overall. I would say that the bigger point is that nobody embraced it. You know what I mean? That there was such a large piece of the population that said, what is he doing? Is this, he doesn't like the flag. He doesn't like America. He, he, he's not a, a citizen. He is this, he's that. And, uh, that's the bigger issue to me. The bigger issue is because we're on the field for 90 minutes. We're on the field for, for whatever a lot of time that is, right? But uh, when we leave that field, the, we live with a, a different reality, right, than, than most. And so uh, I would say that the bigger issue to me is lack of support as a whole rather than just the NFL. Akeem, how would you characterize how Monday's team meeting resonated with you and affected you? And as a follow-up to that, as, as someone who has had an active role on the Social Justice Committee with the Bears for the last few years, how can you go about taking these discussions and pushing them forward into action as we go forward? My re I'll start with my reaction to the team meeting. Well, to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, I, I, I didn't have um, – I didn't have much feeling towards it. I, I wasn't excited to get on that call. I didn't think anything positive was going to come from it. I didn't know why we were having this, you know, uh, this moment where we were singing Kumbaya and, and, and trying to, to get over what's really happening in the world. You know, I felt like it was a, uh, I felt like it might be a control situation where they want to control the narrative and, and point us in direction. So when we talk to you guys, there's only going to be a, a certain message that you guys hear. It was the complete opposite. It was, it was totally different. It was... I watched um, young black men, young white men, um, older coaches uh, from all across the United States and watching everybody reveal themselves in a way that, that isn't common, right, in, um, in, in, in sport or masculinity in general, right, um, and express their 
their, their real feelings, you know, out in the open, out in, in, in positions where you feel like somebody could start pointing at you and say, oh, I don't know if that's a good guy. I don't know if we want him on the team or if that's the type of person we want around the building. Um, I, everybody let those uh, uh, those feelings go and, and shared from the heart and, and, and shared their real experiences. And there was some hurtful stuff in there. There was some stuff where people were, you know, changed and altered for life. And, and I won't speak on it because it's their, that's their story and that's their, uh, you know, what they're dealing with. But I'll say this, as a team, there was a, uh, there was a level of healing involved in that call. And there was a level of um, us just coming together. We just got a little bit tighter because we, we had, we've had this experience together. So uh, it, it was a positive call. And, and, and I think that it will change the lives of some of the young men that we have on this team. It changed my, changed my perspective on a lot of things. Hey, Keem, after that call, what was your prevailing thought about what you were maybe hoping your, your white teammates can do going forward now after that call? I don't put any, uh, I don't put any extra weight on anyone. I'd rather carry it myself personally, you know? Um, so, so what I'll say is that, uh, you know, for me, I don't have any, I'm not going to push anybody in any direction. I, I want your, your path to take you there naturally, you know, whatever course you're on, let it take you there, whatever you feel, whatever you hear, whatever touches you in, in, in a way, I, I'll let that be your, you know, your moment. And so, um, but, but what I will say about our team, we, we, we do a good job, I think, of separating, uh, of, of, well, stopping the separation, keeping guys w- within the team, keeping guys together. I'll, I'll give you a, an example. Days we come into the cafeteria, right? And let, let's talk about a, um, a position group like the tight ends, right, who, who would mainly be or who have been on our team, right, Caucasian. And uh, it's funny how you got to catch yourself before you say those words these days. Um, and – They'll be sitting at a table, and there'll be three guys, right? And they're all of the same ethnicity, and they're having lunch together. You're not thinking anything of it, right? But we have guys on our teams that break those barriers. We'll, we'll take – I'll go sit with them. Danny Trevathan will go sit with them. And now this table isn't just, you know, one minority. We're, we're, we're all together in this. And um, that's something that I noticed that uh, from Kyle Long. I always remember that he didn't care who was sitting at the table. He was coming in, and he was sitting there, and he was having a conversation with whatever, you know, group whatever ethnicity was at the table. And, and that, I think, is something that is a, a part of our organization. It starts at the top. Hey, Keem, thanks for uh, doing this. Um, you, you talked about kind of the way you perceived what that meeting could be and then what it turned into. Um, what, what did it mean to you for that coaching staff and the front office to kind of give you guys the platform, um, especially because as Matt told us, you know, he really wanted to just listen. Um, when you look at those group of coaches and then giving you guys the platform, I guess, how meaningful did that turn out to be that they did that for you guys? Oh, very meaningful. Very meaningful. I, I would say that, uh, you know, sticking with what I was telling you earlier about not having much, uh, you know, not knowing what this meeting was going to bring, right, um, whether it was going to be effective or not. Um, after experiencing it, I was, I felt like it was a very positive experience. And I think that, uh, you know, kudos to coach for, for, for making that a, a possibility and making that, you know, a, a, a space where, where we could talk and get stuff out on the table and not have to, uh, you know, just bury, it, you know, deep down inside or, or uh, even worse, just pretend like it's not happening, you know? So that, that sometimes can be worse than, than actually being a part of the other cause, right? It's, it's just pretending like nothing's going on. Uh, one of the things that uh, transpired during the meeting that I, I thought was, uh, you know, spoke volumes about our team was that, um, you know, one of our veterans, 
uh, he spoke and, and he said that one of the things that would be positive, right, is, is seeing, uh, you know, the actions from, from our leadership, right, um, them standing out in front of the cause. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, positive things will come from, from those moments that we have. Well, Akeem, you know, I guess I was just looking for your take sort of on what we've seen, you know, with the protests the last week and a half after obviously what happened to, to George Floyd about a week and a half ago. And Alan Robinson talked about earlier, maybe something positive coming out of this. Do you believe that's possible? And, and then again, back to, to your just your take on everything. Do I believe something positive is going to come out of this situation as far as what's going on with the protest and, 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 and demonstrations? Correct. Man, I hope so. I think that I've seen it before. I, I think that, uh, you know, this is different. What, one thing that I've seen more than I've seen in other situations where, where uh, a black man has died in the streets because of police brutality is that uh, there are a lot more ethnicities out on the front lines and speaking out and, and, and standing up. And, and I, I saw one, one picture that really stuck with me. There was a line of, 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 of white people that stood in front of a group of other ethnicities because they felt like their lives or their bodies would be in danger, you know, if, if they were on the front lines, if the, the black people, if the uh, Spanish people, if the, whatever ethnicity was behind them, right, because it looked to be pretty diverse, I found that to be super powerful. It, 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 it was a picture that's going to stay with me for a long time. I was thinking about what you said about Colin Kaepernick, and I was wondering two things. One, uh, has it bothered you that your team uh, has not brought him in and worked him out? And uh, when you talk about uh, the lack of support that he had during his protest, is there anything you feel uh, you wish you would have done differently as you look back at that? Uh, I, I'll speak to my part first. All right? I, I can't take anything back. And um, I, I had the same at those time, At that time, when Kaepernick was taking me, I had the same thought that 85 90% of the league felt at that moment. If I get down on one knee in front of this stadium, I am fired. My, my job, my career, my life is over. I'll be blackballed. And then to come out on the other end and watch it actually happen to Kaepernick, it just tells me that my, my feelings were real. It's um, <clears throat> it's the re it was the reality, and hopefully it won't be going forward. Now, as far as my team, how do I feel about my team not working them out? We we, we got enough stuff to figure out, other than than bringing you know other people in and, and dealing with other situations. What I will say is this, though, as far as Kaepernick is concerned, it's not a Chicago problem; it's an entire league problem. There's 31 other teams that you know. I, I don't know who's worked them out and who's brought them in, but I'll say this. It doesn't start in Chicago. I do wonder, though. I wonder. I, let's say that his career is past him, right? How, how do we rectify that situation? How do we make it better? Because we all, I'm sure everybody, I can't speak for everybody on this call, but we've seen what ha what's happened in the sport. We've seen how he's been pushed to the side. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to rectify that situation. I wonder if they're going to make it better for everyone, including him. How could the league make things better with him, do you think? What specifically – could they do other than obviously a team signing him? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he gets a job. I wonder if now, I wonder if now they say, "Hey, we need to bring you back in." We've seen the injustice, we've seen the wrong that that we, you know, um, the situation that we've put you in, right? And uh, we want to fix it now. Is it signing him back? Is it giving him a position in in the league to maybe he he works on some of the social justice committees? Maybe he is involved in 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 
in a greater role, right, to, to make sure that we don't have these instances again. I, I can't speak to what, how to, to fix the situation. Um, all I will say is this, we, we saw it, right? We, we watched how it unfolded, and we see that he doesn't have a job now. And this call isn't to advocate, you know, Cap getting a job, but I will say that he did sacrifice his position for what he, where he is now. He, he's in a, uh, can't say a tough spot, but I will say this, he has been, uh, his career was ended because of it, in my opinion. I'm, we're talking with Alan this morning. He said he could see more athletes kneeling next season. And I'm wondering if you sort of feel the same way, um, whether you thought about that and sort of personally, if you considered that at all um, since. I haven't thought about it. I really haven't considered it, but, but would I, uh, do I see it being a possibility? I, it could be, it could be. Um, I guess in my mind, I, I want another step, right? I, I, I want to see something bigger, different, that already turned out negatively and, and we understood what he meant by it. But I will say this, we gotta, let's just make the situation better. I'll choose change over having to take another knee. I'd rather we just move on. Yeah, Akeem, you do have that platform on the Social Justice Committee with the organization. Is, is that something that now becomes closer to the front burner for you and is it something that requires recruiting other other teammates to, to become more involved in these types of things so it's not just a gesture on game days. The beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about our social justice committee was that it was built, right, by the players. Um, I, I, I feel that uh, we've, we've already been hands-on, um, raised close to a million dollars in one season and, and, and donated to charities, right, uh, across Chicago, Hands of Hope, Kicks for the City. We, we, we do things, Boys and Girls Club, we work with the city already. And, and I think that um, our, our, our personnel does a, a really good job. Sue Campbell, right, he, he does a really good job of making sure that when guys come into the city, they know that, you know, we're not just football players. We are a part of this community. And, and that starts at the top with Mr. McCaskey, right? Everybody is involved in making sure that, um, you know, we're giving back and, and we're putting our best foot forward in, in, in that category. So I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, we need to put an extra emphasis on it because it's already it's already at the forefront of what the organization is about. Bears care, right? Long before I, I became a part of this team, right? Uh, we have uh, things in place to make sure that we're affecting change in, in, in our communities. Hey, what types of actions specifically have you as players, not, not the staff, but you as players talked about maybe just here in Chicago that you could take? And then my second question for you, if that's okay, and I hesitate to use the word censored, but how censored now, given what you've shared about the past, do you feel you have to be as an NFL player and an African-American man? I feel like I've been censored my whole life. So for me to, uh, to, to feel like um, I have to, uh, to keep people at ease, to make sure that there's a, a, a calm you know, while I'm in the room, um, those, those are natural things to me. Um, and, you know, these things were, mm, they taught to me in a way, right? Because at an early age, being not just a larger kid, but a larger black kid, I, I was seen as a, uh, you know, the antagonist in a lot of situations. I was seen as the bully. I was seen as a person that, uh, you know, uh, just not in the best light. Right. And, uh, 
developing my mindset going forward, I, I understood always that I had to make other people feel comfortable before myself. I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to make sure people feel comfortable around me. Um, and is it unfortunate that I have to live that way? Call it what you want, right? But uh, I do it because that's how I'm able to move through society and have people feel okay with me. <clears throat> anyway, moving forward. Um, what was the other question? Oh, um, just the action specifically that you players um, could present uh, with the platform that you have and that we could all jump on board with. Um, I think everybody right now is in a place of, uh, <clears throat> I think everybody right now is in a place of hurt in some instances, especially what I saw on the call the other day, right? Um, not the best feelings or, or emotions. And, and I think that was one of the benefits of, of coach having that call is it gave us a place where we wouldn't be judged by society to speak on how we felt. Right. And, uh, so I don't think anybody has made any plans or, or ready to move on anything. What we're looking at right now is, is, is just having a better understanding, right. Um, 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 keeping guys, uh, who, who may be frustrated or, or, or hurt by, by the things that have transpired in the past weeks, um, keeping them focused and, and, and making sure that we're going in the right direction as far as a, a, a team and um, taking care of the person first. I think that's what our organization is doing is taking care of the person, making sure that everybody is a, you know, in, in, in a good state to, to, to go forward. Do you think that Kaepernick, had he not protested, would have gotten a starting job and a big contract and all of that? And you, you said we signed Mike Glennon, you know? You heard that, eh? Oh, yeah, I said that. I said that. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a feeling. I mean, do I think that Kaepernick is going to uh, or should, would have gotten a good deal? Do I think he would have gotten a good deal um, if he had not protested? Can't say I, I couldn't even begin to speak to that. Do I know that uh, he came to New Orleans when I played for New Orleans and played some really good football against us, won a game at the end of the game, like a fourth quarter, 60-yard bomb, touchdown. You remember all your stars. Um, what I'll say is that uh, did he take his team to a Super Bowl? Um, does he have all the qualifications that, um, that we seem to be looking for in NFL quarterbacks these days? Athletic, can get the ball down the field. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that he fits a lot of those categories. Do I know if he would have gotten a, 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 a huge deal and, 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 and been going on to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? I don't know these things. I just know that when he took a knee, he was silenced. Or they attempted to silence him. It struck me that on this call, everyone who's asked you a question has been of one ethnicity. And after the call, we're all going to go right about what you said. But none of us on this call could possibly understand your emotions, what you've been going through the last however long it's been. So how are you doing? Um, thank you for asking that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty interesting. It, it is a really interesting thing to be on this call. And as I swipe through, I don't see one face that looks like mine. Right? But what I do see is a lot of people that I have interactions with on a daily basis that have treated me with respect have been 
honest, right? Um, have have worked with me uh, on, on a lot of the things that I've done over my four years here. And so um, what I'll say is this, racism doesn't exist in every situation, right? Is it, have I experienced it or encountered it in my 30 years on this planet? A, sh a lot of times, right? But um, I can't live my life or do my job if the first thing on my mind is this person doesn't like me because of the color of my skin. Now, do I experience it? Do I ever feel it? Yes. But I have to interact with every single one of you. And um, to have that mindset, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't do me any justice. Okay, Johns, in 10 years of covering this team, that is the most raw, honest interview I've ever been a part of. And that was my initial reaction. And I've been trying to run it back through my brain to make sure I'm not forgetting about other things. I can't think of anything that was more important and more well said than that. And that's just my reaction to it. My immediate reaction, Adam, was there's nothing like this. Just listen. Hear what he has to say. What we have to say doesn't matter as much about football. Just Hear the feelings. Hear the thoughts. There's so much there for McKee Mix. Listen to it again. Rewind this and listen to it again. I want to listen to it again. I've, I've still haven't, as of recording this, all I've heard was the original interview that we are part of, but I, it's so important that I, well said, Johnsy, listen to it again, uh, and we will certainly do the same thing. Danny Trevathan is up next. Uh, he was a part of the conversations that Matt Nagy had, and this actually is important to include. Matt Nagy um, wanted to tackle this correctly this week. I don't know if there is a way to do it completely correctly, but he, he, he this is what he did. I mean, he reached out to Danny Trevathan, reached out to Allen Robinson, and they came up with this plan on Monday to have a the two-hour Zoom call, which is what you heard Akeem Hicks talk about in there that he was skeptical about. So at this point, you probably know what we're talking about. I hope you do. But that's sort of some extra context. So Danny Trevathan was a part of that original conversation. The Zoom call happens. They've had a couple days to sit on it. Again, just listen to what he has to say. Here he is, Bears linebacker, Danny Trevathan. I just wondering, what was the, the team meeting that you guys held on Monday? What was that like? Um, for you, and what were the conversations like uh, with your teammates? It was just us talking amongst ourselves, just seeing how we felt on you know various uh, topics going on. Um, I felt like it was very good as a team that we all discussed that. You know, we got to see each other's opinions about you know just just life in general, man. You know, there's you know you know what's going on in the world, and you know just to hear everybody's voice, you know, that makes you feel like. You know, everybody understands and everybody has one of them backs. When Coach Nagy reached out to you over the weekend uh, at first, what did you take away from that conversation with him? And, and, and what did you guys get accomplished in just sort of having that initial talk while, while everything was sort of bubbling up and, and, and happening in our city and elsewhere? Um, you know, the, the coming phrase he used was love. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, use that word enough or show that love enough. So 
you know, it, it was just amongst us just to talk about it and, and you know, have a feeling for one another. Um, everybody's different, man. So, but, you know, there there's no ignoring what's going on. And um, I think that's what, what what makes us special. This, this is what's going to help this team a lot. Um, you know, getting that out in the open, clearing the air, and just, you know, sharing love with one another, having one another back. You know, we just talked to Akeem, and, and he admitted that he was kind of skeptical about that, that meeting on Monday. But then it turned out to be kind of the complete opposite of what he thought, and then it was productive. Um, and here with us, he, you know, he kind of spoke in a very honest way that I'm not sure I've heard many players speak without fear of, you know, repercussions or, you know, potentially impacting his job. So I guess my question to you is, do you feel like with everything that we've seen in the last week or so, your discussions with your team, that it could be different this time around, um, you know, I guess compared to 2016 with Colin Kaepernick when it kind of seemed like there was a fear to – to stand with him? I think fear is sometimes, you know, um, looked at differently. And um, I feel like a lot of people in that situation, they didn't have the right approach about that. And um, I'm kind of a person who don't really fear nothing at all, really. Um, I mean, I, you know, you can't live in fear in life. Um, some people take, it, sometimes it takes time to learn, it takes time to learn how not to fear. You know, accept it, but don't fear. Uh, I feel like we all could have done a little bit better in that aspect. Um, you know, I, f I did what I felt was important and that was taking a stand. I joined the social justice committee just to make a difference because, you know, that's real life. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's no kidding that, you know, we're dealing with that now today. And uh, like, like we talked about, this is football is football, man. And wrong is wrong. And right is right. Um, it costs nothing to love one another. It costs nothing to, to care about one another. And um, we can't keep ignoring stuff and putting it under the table. We have to be man about it and deal with it and ha actually take actions without fearing the repercussions of stuff. Um, with the repercussions are we still in it. We have to take action, man. And um, I feel like we're we're doing the right things. You know, I'm make sure that I'm going to do my part, whatever it is, you know. I got two little ones. I got to grow up and teach what's going on in the world, you know. I don't want them to grow up in a world that's confused and hatred. I don't want them to deal with that. But the reality is I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for them. I'm doing it for people after me. You know, I might not reach my goal, but I will get close to it. I will help and do my part. You know, that's, that's what I'm here for as a man. Danny, one thing it seems we all share, regardless of our job or race or ethnicity, these last 10 days, couple of weeks, it's just, it's been really hard to concentrate and focus and figure out what's going on. I'm curious, how difficult is it for you to even think about football right now? And, and do you feel any differently about yourself as a person and as a football player than before these current events started the last two weeks or so? I always feel, but I feel like I have a voice and I have to use it. I, I have a platform for a reason. You know, we all have a platform for a reason. Football, you know, I've been playing that all my life. You know, I've been dealing with these situations like this all my life, although I don't speak on that stuff all the time. Now I have a platform to speak on it. I will speak on it. And I'm not afraid of any repercussions or none of that. I understand that, you know, in order to do better, we have to do better. And um, I'm doing my part to do better. Um, 
you know, we share stories with one another about situations that we may not know, and it's going to help us grow. But like I said, in the football aspect, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to come back in the best shape of my life, the best knowledge I've ever been. Um, football is part of the game, you know. We're, we're This is just life situations we're talking about, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, just to be feared, uh, have that fear in you about, you know, being pulled over or being uncomfortable, being yourself, bro. Like that, that's not cool to me. That's inhumane. Like, we all deserve the right to be comfortable. We all deserve the right to, to feel like we're protected instead of looked at as bad creatures. I think we focus so much on differences and we don't focus on similarities a lot. And you know, that's where we, we fail as humans. We fail as people. We take one little thing and, you know, we don't see the bigger picture of things. We focus on one little aspect of the situation. We don't focus on the big picture at hand. That's where we lose concentration. And I feel like I don't like people playing with my minds because I, 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 well, mind, I feel like my mind is strong enough. I don't like playing mind games. So, you know, that's how I feel about it. Hey, Danny, thanks for uh, doing this. Um, you know, Matt told us that he really wanted to use that two-hour meeting for he really wanted to listen that was his job was to listen what was something that you might have wanted to make sure you conveyed not just to him but some of your teammates when you got a chance to talk just what was kind of the message you wanted to make sure you got across uh, that you're not alone um that everybody has a voice that we're in this together um if somebody feels different that's why we have discussions um some people may not understand you know knowledge is key knowledge is power uh, we just wanted to know where we stand as a team. And me, if I feel like if we don't talk to one another, we can't trust one another. And to be a great team, you have to trust the people that you're playing with. You, you know what they've been through. You go harder for people like that who understand you. So basically, it, I'm, I'm like a king in the aspect. I didn't know what was going to be going on. But at the end of the day, I feel like we all got to a common goal. We all understood one another. People spoke up that I never heard speak up before about stuff. That different colors, different ethnicity, you know, different backgrounds. Just to see that stuff, you know, it it, it, it plays a huge difference in, you know, being just a regular team and a team that that can possibly bring a championship. Hey, Danny, Colin Kaepernick's name has come up a couple of times today, obviously, because of the protest and because of the way that George Floyd was, was killed. Obviously. Do you anticipate the league reaction to any sort of protests before a game, during an anthem, any of that would be different now because of what we've seen happen uh, than what it was three years ago when uh, it was pretty harsh? Um, it, same thing that's happened today was happening three years ago. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, we just, really, when you have people that's been through so much and when you have, like, you get built up, like, there's different stages of emotions. There's different stages of anger, you know. People, you can only take so much, you know what I'm saying? See, just to want to be heard, just to want to be seen, just to want to be felt. You can only take so much as people. You can only take so much. You know, that's why people go to counseling. Not everybody has those luxuries. You know, we're going, we're facing a, a pandemic right now, all, all types of stuff right now. So I feel like a lot of people have more time to think about it than back then. Back then, it was just like we made up about one situation, about the flag, about the military. And that's, that's what everybody was focusing on. You know, people are disrespecting the flag, disrespecting the military. Like, 
I got people in my family that fought for for America in the, in the military, you know, and for branches. So it wasn't about that. It, it was about something bigger than that, that issue. It's about police brutality, the way we treat people, you know. And right now, I feel like we are taking a different stand because people are sick of it. And, you know, it's not just black people. This is not a black issue. This is a racial war. This is, this is, I mean, these are facts right now, man. And to ignore it is just being ignorant to me. Um, and, you know, I, I want to see a difference and I want to be the change that people can look at. Um, you know, I, I love everybody, man. You know, and you know, that's how I was raised. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't sit back and just, just accept stuff. You know, it, it, it takes fight. It takes, you know, those steps. You have to take the right steps to get to where you want. Nice way to end it. Don't forget to vote. That is the, the one piece of power that we all have as Americans right now. Uh, where we can make a difference and uh, too many people um, don't take that seriously enough. So again, it's the, the emotion, the, the feelings that resonated with me and I hope resonate with, with listeners. Again, everything I'm saying doesn't do this justice in terms of what they're, they're trying to say about some of the, the problems that are, that are out there right now that, that we see, you know, with police brutality. So just listen, rewind if you have to, listen again. The emotions are real. I could tell you by, by watching him talk, you, you could see it in his expressions, his, his face. So again, listen to it again if you want. Um, there There's a lot here, a lot to digest. Some of it you may have missed. And we'll keep it moving here so you can uh, keep listening. Alan Robinson, Bears wide receiver. Again, there's... There were some there were some questions in here about his contract, Bears quarterback battle. We'll tackle all that tomorrow. What you're about to hear is way more important. Here he is, Alan Robinson. Hey Alan, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good. Uh, obviously, crazy times in our in our country and locally as well. As you've tried to wrap your brains around all the unrest in the last few days, what have been your perspectives? on things and also as you guys talked about this as a team earlier in the week, what left a lasting impression on you about those discussions? Yeah. Um, I think, um, the biggest thing that, you know, obviously is going to be arrest. You know, I think that, I think with everything that's going on with the protests and, and things like that, I think it's, um, from talking to guys, even on the team. And, um, the biggest thing is, you know, a group of people being, you know, past the, past the threshold of just sitting back, you know, being, being calm. You know, I think that, you know, again, I think that a lot more positive has come out of this than negative. I guess you do see people being arrested. You do see some looting and things like that, you know, but at the same time, it is a lot of, it is a lot of knowledge being spread and a lot of people opening their eyes and ears now to the things that are going on who may not have before. You know, like this isn't something that, just started going on, you know, like even, even when you date back to, you know, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, you know, his whole stand was, was this, you know, um, and even prior to that, you know, so like I said, I was, I was talking to somebody else about this, you know, I've been, um, in the league now for going on seven years and the Trayvon Martin thing happened when I was in college, you know, and then here we are again, about nine years later with something very similar happened, you know, so I just think that it's a, it's a lot going on right now, but I definitely have more positivity coming out of this than uh, than our negativity. 
what have your conversations been like with your white teammates? You know, as a white man asking you this question, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, but what have those conversations been like over the last couple of days? Uh, they've actually been, uh, they've been uh, really good, um, really good, um, enlightening on, you know, uh, them wanting to gain more knowledge of, you know, certain things that's going on and them also acknowledging you know, what's going on. I think that's the biggest thing, just figuring out in different ways that they can help. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is just challenging everybody, African-American, you know, um, other ethnicities, um, white, no matter what it is, to even when we get past these next days, weeks, months, and even years, you know, is to keep the same, keep the same energy and keep the same mindset that you have now. You know, as, as open as your eyes and ears are, right now in this current moment, you know, in the future, you know, to have that same kind of humility, to have the eyes and ears open, you know, to, to the people who are protesting and to some people who are, who are looting, you know, that, that, that fire and that passion that you have for your community and for, and for your peers of whatever ethnic group you're, you're from, have that same energy when it comes to being able to, to give back in the community when things aren't happening, where a man is being, um, kill you know for for being black and being arrested you know um have that same kind of passion and compassion you know in the future you know and i think that if we can do that you know you'll see a greater change you know it doesn't take all this happening for somebody to to hold up a sign to go to go march in the street you know you can still get your voice out you can still get back to the community you can still do all those things on a regular basis you know and even to to other people to some of you know the the, the uh, Caucasian people that we may know, you know, to go out there and it's the same thing. Like it doesn't take this for somebody to be, okay, we are acknowledging what's right or wrong. If you're walking down the street, you know, and you see something that isn't right happening, you know, to let your voice be known that that isn't right. You know, and I think that if we do that, you know, as people, you know, I think that everything will, will start to become a better, a better place and, and, and just start to naturally become better. Ellen, how does the NFL reconcile with the fact that when Colin Kaepernick kneeled and they pretty much banished him what, what can the league do going forward to kind of bridge that to, to take care of that issue that they allowed to drop yeah you know that's what really um i think hurts a lot of people is that you know when this was going on and when uh when a silent protest and when a stand was trying to be uh to be took you know it was completely hijacked by the wrong voices of actually what the ultimate agenda was you know, and now seeing people, you know, come out and kind of, you know, uh, applaud him for what he was standing for, you know, and that's people across across the league, that's people across the country. You know, it's like from the inside looking out, it's like that. that's what it was the whole time. You know, and that's rather if other guys were, were kneeling or, or, won't, or weren't kneeling, that's the stand that was being took and that was the reason why it was being took. So I think that's the most frustrating part, you know, but I think that, the league can can come up with something to kind of to kind of reconcile that you know I think that when you see different people speaking on it you know whether that's team owners or you know uh, league officials you know they're they're trying to figure out a way to to definitely mend that um, to mend that bridge. Yeah, Ellen, what do you see as the next steps um, to kind of continue for the country to make progress? And what has the team talked about about how you guys are going to keep the conversation going? Yeah, um, I think it's taking initiatives in, in, in people's own communities. You know, like I said, I think the biggest thing is, 
you know, to some people who are heavily affected by it, who live in the inner cities of Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago, uh, Oakland, uh, St. Louis, you know, um, any other cities that I'm forgetting, it's like I said before, it's, it's for everybody when they actually see something that's being done that isn't right, you know, to say that that isn't right. You know, when you see any kind of stereotypical kind of things being done or any kind of discrimination happening, you know, I think that everybody, if they continue to speak up, you know, and not, and not be silent or not, you know, turn a blind eye to it, I think that we'll, we'll continue to, you know, make, uh, make this world a better place. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And then to people who are actually living in it, you know, um, like myself, like, like my family, like my teammates and things like that for guys to continue to get in the community and continue to, to impact the community. You know, I think, I think that's the biggest thing to be able to not right now, just when all this is going on to try to impact how you can, I think it's to impact things when this isn't going on to continue to be able to, 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 to transcend things going in the positive direction, you know, um, on a everyday basis rather than just sparingly when events like this happen. Uh, hey, Alan, you talked about, you know, trying to take the positivity out of this. Um, how do you, I guess, use your platform maybe to do that? And how hard is it with, with you know, so much negativity out there? Yeah, um, in my eyes, you know, it is some negativity, but I think it's a lot more, uh, again, a lot more positivity. You know, again, I mean, when you watch the news and things like that, you know, whatever the case may be, it's going to be a lot of negative things shown, you know, but just from the people that I'm talking to, you know, um, in the, in the different communities and just seeing different things that people are saying and hearing from people that are reaching out to me, you know, I think that this has definitely been, some, been more positive than negatives to come from that. So again, I think it's just continuing to, 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 uh, to challenge people to, again, to be able to take the initiative on a regular basis rather than an events-based basis. How would you kind of rate and engage the way the Bears' response has been to everything from the statement they put out to Coach Nagy, uh, how he responded yesterday? There's been lots of different teams over professional sports that have had different moments. Um, you know, I definitely think that's been positive. You know, I think for us, you know, we've had pretty uh, open dialogue, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is, is for guys not being afraid to make different situations uncomfortable based on their true feelings and based on their true experiences, you know? So I think for us, you know, um, um, as a, as a staff, as a uh, organization, you know, they've uh, been able to allow us as a group and as a family to be able to have these different talks to try to see as far as um, how we can make this thing better and how we can create uh, an impact across the board. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that the conversations that we're having is not, just conversations that we're like having to just have, you know, I think the biggest thing is trying to create solutions and trying to have solution based conversations, you know, and I think that's addressing the problem firstly. And then I think also talking through on how can we do our part? You know, that's, that's what the next step is, you know, is everybody can talk about it now, but you know, it's for us as a family and as a group, you know, trying to create our own uh, way on how we can impact and how we can, you know, cause change individually and also as a group. Alan, to kind of go off that, to, to see Mitch's statement come out, to see other notable white athletes come out in support, what does that mean to you? How important is that to, to go forward? And what does it mean to see this go globally, not just nationally in all 50 states, but to see it in, in France and in England and New Zealand and whatnot? 
you know, I think it means a lot. You know, I think it means a lot for everybody to to acknowledge, you know, what's going on and, and acknowledge the rights and wrongs of the world. You know, like I said before, you know, I think just the challenge is, is to continue to acknowledge that when it's not so easy. You know, continue to go against the grain, whether that's, you know, somebody that somebody knows or, 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 or an old friend or a current friend, you know, if they're doing or saying something that's right, you know, I think continuing to challenge them on what's, on what's truly uh, acceptable or not. You know, I think that's where the challenge lies. But again, being able, <clears throat> being able to just kind of see that, you know, like you said, across the country and across the, the world in different countries and, and everybody kind of, kind of coming together and everybody kind of acknowledging it, you know, I think that's very, it's very good to see. And again, the, the challenge just lies is just continue to continue to keep that effort going forward. Hey, Alan, uh, going back to what Cheryl was asking about, uh, would you, are you in favor of players taking a knee uh, this season? And do you think that's a logical next step for this? And if that happens, do you think the NFL establishment will be a little more tolerant of it now than before? Um, that's a great question. And um, to answer your question, I do think that they would be tolerant of it. Um, do, I, do I think that that is the next step? I'm not sure if that's the next step, but I think that's probably um, in the talks of being a possible, you know, kind of uh, – action taken and again I'm, I'm saying that to say that as far as you know everybody kind of coming coming together because we saw you know on the opposite end people doing different things you know coming together on the on the other side of it and not taking the knee so again I think that could possibly be something that you know would just kind of show the unity of you know the league and teams you know um, acknowledging you know uh, the wrong that they had with that and just uh, how that kind of whole situation went down. But is that the exact uh, cause of action? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that that will probably get, you know, thrown in the mix somehow. Wondering if you were aware of the comments by Vic Fangio yesterday to his team, and if, if so, what you thought about him? Um, I, I am not aware of uh, the comments by Vic, to be honest. Um, I, did not, I did not see that. Basically, he was just saying how the NFL locker room is – not like society, and if, if everybody would perform like in an NFL locker room, society would be much better off because you're all working towards one common goal. He didn't see race as an issue so much in NFL locker rooms, and he, he drew some heat for that. Um, I think that he has a point because I think that the point that he probably was trying to state was just the fact that, you know, um, it doesn't matter big, small, white, black, uh, Hispanic, Asian, whatever the case may be, you know, uh, the best um, are put on the field for what they do and what they bring to the table to achieve one common goal. And I think that's the biggest thing um, is that, you know, it's not looking at to see the color of somebody's skin or, or this or that or whatever the case may be. It's about looking at that person and evaluating that person as a person, you know, and what they bring to the table as a human being, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with their skin, you know. So, um, again, I would have to go back and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, read, the, read the quote that he said. But, I mean, for, for, the, for the gist of it that I took from, you know, I don't think that it was, um, it was negative or anything like that. You know, I think that he's just saying that, you know, in the locker room, guys are evaluated for who they are as, as people and as, and, as, and as players and character-wise. And I think the last thing – you know, is the color of their skin um, that's being uh, evaluated. 
three important conversations there. Uh, we have one more coming too. But before we get to that, I just the one thing I want to point out, and I hope, I hope I'm right in sensing this. And you may have heard me ask Danny Trevathan about this too in there. I hope the end result is different. But what I'm sensing so far, just in the raw honesty that we heard from these players today, especially Akeem Hicks, and he talked directly about being afraid for his job, right? If he knelt with Colin Kaepernick a few years ago, there seems to be, and and I hate even putting it this way, but like a a willingness to speak up more, um, but without the fear of losing their job, without having their money affected by what they have to say. I thought that was pretty raw. I mean, you pretty much heard that directly from Akeem Hicks. So I guess my point is, I hope that that is the case, that the original point from Colin Kaepernick, no matter what you want to blow it up into about the flag and all that, but the original point was about police brutality. And here we are a few years later and the George Floyd thing happened. I shouldn't call it thing. The George Floyd murder happened. So was that all lost? And the point, I mean, I think the point was lost. And at least we're hearing a willingness. And I think what is a shift, not from the players, but from the league in letting these players speak up for themselves. If you're a stick to sports person, I don't think sports are going to be for you anymore moving forward. Does that make sense to you, Adam? Like, this is bigger than sports. So if you're an NFL fan who got upset over the Colin Kaepernick protests, the NFL is is no longer for you if you can't handle what's coming forward. It's going to be different after the the death of, of George Floyd in the custody of Minneapolis police. This is going to be different. Different conversations are going to be had. There will be kneeling during the 2020 season. If you're going to stick to sports, then I don't think sports for you in 2020 is for you in 2020. I, I think that's a fair point. And again, that's why I just think it's so important to listen. And I, I hope, again, what I say, I just, I hope that's actually the case. And I, I want to give the Bears some credit because I feel like at least in the last three day, they, days, they've, they've created an atmosphere where their players feel comfortable saying what they can say, what they want to say and what they need to say. And the message now is out there loud and clear. And that's why that's all we want to do in this podcast is share that. And that's why I just felt like it's important because I do s- sense a shift here. Um, and I hope it stays that way because the players should not be afraid of losing their jobs because they're afraid to speak up for their people and against police brutality. So that's just quickly what I want to say there. Um, it's already too much. The last thing we have for you is an interview. I wanted to get the Minnesota perspective because the George Floyd killing happened in Minneapolis. Ifadi Odenabo plays for the Vikings. He's a defensive, and you've heard me mention a couple times his name because he had seven sacks in the last 10 games last year. He's he's uh, he, he's kind of an up-and-coming guy for the Vikings and part of that new-look defense that you're going to see this year. But he played at Northwestern, which is why I have a relationship with them um, as their sideline reporter. And he 
put out an Instagram post the other day that was supported on Twitter by Northwestern, retweeted by Pat Fitzgerald, and Afadi Odenabo was out protesting in Chicago. And I just thought it was cool that Northwestern put it out there too and you know, supported one of their former players. I got him on a Zoom call and asked him about the decision to go out protesting. The story uh, is even more incredible, and you'll hear it here. But his message is even more powerful. And I'm going to warn you, at times this conversation gets a little intense with some of the things he says. So I encourage you to listen to it. I have a piece up on it too on NBCSportsChicago.com. Again, the importance of listening, it's lengthy. I realize this podcast is lengthy. If you're still with us, we appreciate that and encourage you to continue to listen to this conversation because it's so important. So here he is, Minnesota Vikings defensive end, Ifadio Odenabo, starting with his uh, just emotions in the past week since the killing of George Floyd. Yeah, so unfortunately with the George Floyd death, um, this really hits me home, just the fact that I play for the Minnesota Vikings and I've probably driven on that street where he's died, where he was tortured to death. And um, so, like, for me, um, obviously a lot of the black community is hurting just from a standpoint when you see that footage, you see that eight minutes and, what, 46 seconds or so, uh, the man just saying, hey, man, cop, you got it. Like, I'm, I surrender, like, can you please, I can't breathe. My stomach hurts. And it really hits home. Cause when you watch that footage, just as a black person, what like, cause for, for all the people that are just kind of confused or bewildered or like what's going on or why are people acting this rash just, from a standpoint, everyone watches that every black person that watches that video, they think that that could have been me. Like from a standpoint, like when you watch that footage and he's like begging for his cop, he's not saying he's not, he's not being rash or, or hostile with him. He's begging for his life. And what's just kind of weird is the fact that usually when somebody records, when somebody's recording you to do something, people stop what they're doing. And it was just weird from an officer that it's almost like it kind of turned them on from a power struggle that, Hey man, I'm the authority. And it's just unfortunate uh, prayers for George Floyd's family and everybody else who's really hurt by this traumatized by this. If I, you got out and, and walked with protesters in Chicago the other day. What did you see and what did you experience? So um, after the whole George Floyd thing, I had been pretty active on social media saying, you know, like, because people were just saying, man, um, unfortunately this is one death, but not all police officers are bad. You're absolutely correct. Majority of police officers are not bad, but the problem is like, like you have the Ahmad Bradbury case where they have the footage for two months then eventually the footage gets leaked out and they arrest those, they arrest uh, those two guys that murdered him. And so, um, so for me, like I was being vocal on social media, then kind of going back to the saying goes, actions speak louder than the words. It's pretty easy to go on social media and, you know what I mean? Repost a bunch of quotes and say, woo, woo, woo. I'm against racism, but it's another thing when you go out there and you and you go on a march. So on Sunday, I got up and I was like, I need to do something. And um, just being in Chicago, where a lot of protesting is happening, I didn't know where exactly to go. So I got an Uber around twelve thirty, 
didn't know where I was going. I told the, I told the driver, Hey man, I'm trying to protest. I, um, the driver I had was, um, was a black man. He understood me. He was like, Hey man, I don't know where the protest is. Like, you know, let's find it. Let's do this. So we drive around, um, all the bridges are closed off because of the protest. And, um, eventually kind of ran out of luck. So he kind of just dropped me off in the city and downtown. I was like, all right, I'm going to start looking. So by the grace of God, five, 10 minutes later, saw a bunch of people marching, protesting. I walked towards their way, but I just joined the, I joined the march. Um, I marched for a good three and a half hours for a good 12, 13, 12, 13 miles. And, um, going through that protest. Cause I think, uh, we start off at Cicero then we went up to link, uh, Lincoln park. And I, the cool part about that remote protest, like all the media coverage is everyone's talking about the looting, you know what I mean? The looting, the crime, all this stuff, what's happening at night. But our protest was in daylight. It was a very, very peaceful protest. Nobody was being hostile. Nobody was being loud. Everyone had their signs. They were expressing themselves, but it was a, it was a, it was a pretty peaceful, uh, quiet March. And, was pretty cool to be a part of that um, march. Um, I didn't know anybody in that group. The people that came in, especially people that are um, the people that are, um, are white um, Caucasians, I said thank you. Like you don't have to do this. Like you, you could take the easy route, be silent, but thank you for marching. Like it means a lot. Thank you for showing compassion and having empathy. If I did, that really strikes me. I mean, you you re- you went down there by yourself, not with a group of people. You were you were marching with people you didn't really know. They probably didn't know that they were walking with it with an NFL player. No, not at all, man. Hey, man, it's cool, man. Because uh, I'll think to myself, man. You know, I'm watching the news. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm posting. I'm thinking to myself, man. I'm going to have kids someday. I'm going to be a grandpa someday. And right now, this is a historic time. This is a this is a weird time in our life with the whole COVID, with the whole recession, with people getting laid off, and now just with this um with this George Floyd case and. And I want to be able to like look in my kids' eyes, like, "Hey, man, hey, son, daughter, I, your, your your pops did something." Like at the end of the day, like I didn't go on social media. I wanted to go in and march with these people because I just speak louder than words. Well, Northwestern tweeted out a message of support. Um, I know Pat Fitzgerald retweeted that. What did what did you appreciate about that support from your your former fo- uh, college football? Yeah. It means a lot to me, just the fact that, like, I'm not in this by myself. You know what I mean? It's it's cool. It's it's very nice that people are acknowledging that this is an issue. Like, because um, obviously people always have the same go, hey, we had, we had President Obama. There's no such thing as racism. That was a long time ago. And and then when you see that footage, because, like, they have a valid point when they say that. Like, oh, like it's easy, it's easy to think that way. But when you see that footage and you're thinking that, if that person was, there's no way that person, if it was a white man, he would have put his knee on his neck for that long. Or if it was a dog, to be honest, if that was somebody else's dog, somebody, if that was a dog that he was going to, and it was like, was uh, barking and yelling for help. Somebody would have helped with that. But it, unfortunately it was, it was a black man. And um, that's kind of a lot of the, it's kind of a lot of the struggles a black man has to face in America. And a lot of people just really don't understand that, you know, they'll, they'll have the same goes, Hey man, you're making excuses, all that. But at the end of the day, like for, for, for me, from my personal experience, I think the protest is being so vocal because the fact that every black person, when they watch that footage, you're like, man, I've had, I have, I've had some type of encounter with a police officer and man, that could have been me. So, um, so you see that stuff and it, it just, you know what I mean? Like it just, it kind of, 
enact some rage like yo like that's not all right like i gotta do something about this like th- this is not a norm this, this is 2020 and we have we have uh, police officers still murdering people like this is not the 1800s this is this is modern day with camera phones and technology have you been and and, and the and just the weird part about that whole situation too is the fact that was, the report came out that all their body cams were turned off and i'm like like like, like what like I understand, like if you're such a good police officer, why don't you guys keep all your body cams on? Like if you if if you have nothing to hide and your your job is to enforce the law, to uphold the law, why don't you have your body cams? Have you personally been in situations uh, where you, I mean, quite frankly, felt scared uh, around police? Um, I like just for from a standpoint when you get pulled over by police, just as a black man every black person can away. Like you, you get that little kind of unease. You know what I mean? I don't want to say nervous, but you, you just got to know you got to be on your P's and Q's. And just from, from little situations where people don't understand what life is as a black man is like, I drive a nice car. So when I get pulled over at times, cop, the first ten, the first thing a cop asks me is, is this your car? Every single time they will ask me, is this your car? And I've gotten so used to that. I don't even make a big scene of it. But look, but then when I tell people about it, it's like, oh my God, that's, that's unfair, man. You got to do something about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, if I told you the things that I, that I go through, you wouldn't believe it. And at the end of the day, like, it's just, it's kind of the burden that we have to, the burden we have to uh, go through. The Vikings were, were one of the first teams to issue public statements. Uh, not surprisingly, considering this all started yeah. in Minneapolis last week, but uh, how, you're in the middle of meetings with your team. Uh, technically it's OTAs right now, even though yeah. no one's practicing, how have the Vikings handled it with you guys in terms of their conversations with players? I think they've done a remarkable job uh, with the Will family. Um, our owners, um, they're, um, they're Jewish. So they've obviously gone through their, their gone through their dis- discrimination, discrimination through the Holocaust. So from that standpoint, they were really, they did a really good job just talking to us and empathizing with us saying that what happened was not okay. And whatever, whatever support we can, we'll, we're happy to lend your support. So it was, it was pretty awesome to hear from the coaches. Coach Zimmer just kind of spoke on the fact that like, it's hard for him to relate for, to us at times, just the fact that he's never gone through this. So this is, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, I guess when you're white, like you have it kind of easy. Like when you, when you do certain things, no one's ever discriminated you. So it's kind of hard to be mindful. So I think it was kind of um, an eye opener for a lot of people just saying, Hey man, this guy, like it's one thing of officer shooting him. You know what I mean? The heated moment that he's going, but a man was tortured. And like you were to ask me, Hey, Afadi, what would you rather do? Die suffocation from a knee to neck or be hanged. And I don't, I think I would have chose the hanging. A hanging would have been a shorter death. So, so, so when you really put that in perspective and you watch that footage and after the officer, after he had died, the officer still had his neck on him for two minutes on a, on a body that went cold. You're just one like, man, like, like what a monster right there. And the fact that he doesn't get arrested at that heat of the moment. And I think the reason why people, there's such an, um, an uproar, because obviously most police officers are not bad. I mean, I've Evanston, Northwestern, I know a bunch of police officers, they're great people. But just from a standpoint is that those three other police officers that saw that happen, 
like, and they didn't do nothing. The, that's the problem right there. Cause if you were to replace those three officers and put another three officers, they most likely would have done the same thing too. As in like, you like, you're just as guilty by being a bystander. Like your job is to uphold the law. And when you're, when your teammate, like for football, when your teammates out of line, you keep them in check. And from, from a police officer standpoint, you guys all have uniforms. It's a brotherhood teammates. And when your teammates out of line, you speak up, you don't be a coward and you don't say anything and let a man get tortured to death. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really hard for a lot. Everyone as they watch yeah. the footage, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, you talked earlier about the importance of, of taking action, not just posting on social media, uh, which is why you went out to the protest the other day, your teammates, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, they've, they've been vocal today on social media, but they're yeah. asking for action from the NFL, not just statements. What's your reaction to those guys? And I know they're, you know, they're leaders on your team and, and yeah, they're, they're so really calling for I, action from the national football league. I want to just, I 100% support what they're doing. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know what I mean? Like we're a capitalistic country and how you can make the most money is by not offending anybody. By it's kind of, it's kind of the easy way going taking a neutral stance. You're not pissing anybody off. You're just, you're, you say a vague statement and voila, you want to keep all that money in. But obviously, you know, you have your, you have your patriots who are strong advocates of um, police officers and they're, they're saying that not all police officers are like this, but at the end of the day, from an NFL standpoint, you know I mean, majority of the guys are black, you know what I mean? Like when you guys watch football, we understand it's uniforms, the team, all that stuff. But like a lot of the guys are black, a lot of, um, and from a standpoint of the NFL, like, like we, as black players, we help, we help you benefit and profit. And for you not to acknowledge or really stand against us, it's kind of, it's kind of slapping the face. Of a lot of people. So I kind of, I can, I can empathize where Eric Kentridge and Anthony Barr are going. Cause at the end of the day, like what we saw was unacceptable and it's just, it's just tragic. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I covered the events that went down in 2016 when, when Colin Kaepernick knelt. Um, you that, yeah. was, that was your senior year at Northwestern, and I know it was a story with you guys, too, on your team um, yeah. and how that was all going to be handled. What I find interesting right now, Afadi, is the – again, I, I haven't lived this, so I can't really speak on that, but I've, I covered what happened in 2016 in the NFL – and it felt like to me as somebody covering it that there was still, even though some players were speaking out, there was still sort of this pressure to stay silent. And obviously we saw yeah. Colin Kaepernick out of the league. I, I have to say, it seems different. It seems like teams are speaking up. Pl- more players are speaking up right now. Are, first of all, do you feel that as an NFL player? And are you hopeful that it is different now? Yeah, hopefully it is different because the fact that um, – Unfortunately, what, what happened with George Floyd, um, I think what everyone sees, everyone sees the film, you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing for Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick has probably interviewed a lot of people and, and they probably told him their stories and he's heard their stories and he believed them. But to be frank, if anybody would have told me about George Floyd, of, um, of him being tortured to death and there was no cameras, I wouldn't have believed it. Like, being as a black man, if somebody would have told me that, I was like, dude, like... Dude, I would have told him, hey, man, chill out. He probably did something to instigate the cops, you mean? like, And, dude, the cop probably didn't have it on for eight minutes. Maybe he had it for a few seconds. Like, you're over-exaggerating. But to really watch that footage and see a man, his last breath call for his mom 
and then from, from, from him slowly fade away from the earth. That's very, very just terrifying. And, and then just to be honest, like this has been, ha- and the reason why there's such an uproar because the fact that George is just one person. There, there's many people out there that we don't know about the nineties and two thousands, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know any about, I don't know anything about those people. They died and they swept it in the rug. And my heart goes out to those families. They probably told a bunch of people about it. There was no footage about it. And they're, they're, they were never, those people were never brought to justice. And um, so it's just, it's just, a, it's just a very sad moment. And I, and I think the strong thing about that is the fact that racism has been going on for a while. And I think from a children's standpoint, from the youth, they don't really see that side just because social media wasn't a thing. So as he, and they kind of ignored it, but I think what's going to be very powerful is the fact that you have so many young kids that are on social media now, 12, 13, eight, nine years old that are on the internet and they've all seen the footage. You know what I mean? They all got to, they all have to ask for mom, dad, mom, dad, like why are people being violent? Like what's the protest going on? I don't understand this. And they got to, and the parent has to sit down with the kid like, Hey, something bad happened. A police officer tortured a man to death for really no reason. And it was most likely because of the color of her skin. And, and I think that's the thing is that, how we move as a, as a society is by promoting awareness, by educating people and promoting awareness. And I think just a lot of people just aren't really educated. Like one of the things that I, um, maybe I talked to coach Fitz, talked to the president of uh, Northwestern Morty Shapiro, just saying, Hey, um, like I think people should really take one or two African American studies classes and really just learn about the history. Like for personally, for me, like I thought I knew about black history just being a black man of myself. But, you know, you, you go to the schools and they kind of just erase a lot of people's history. There's, there's only a short, short uh, a certain part to talk about it and they don't really talk about it much. But when you take an African-American studies class and you, you, you take 10 weeks of it and you, and you have to study the inside and now you're like, wow, man, a lot of, a lot of crap's been going on. A lot of crap's been going on and people don't really remember. Like, like if we talk to your parents right now, they remember when it was colored bathrooms. Like, like, like people don't talk about that. Like, it's a crazy concept. Like where your parents that are six years old, they remember nine, eight years old when it said whites only whites only bathroom, like racism. Um, like this wasn't so long ago. Like this, this still happens in that every day. And, and I think that's, I think people just kind of turn the blind cheek on the fact that they're kind of naive. And I think this was a wake up call for a lot of, the, of uh, Americans. Well, and that's why I think right now listening is very important. But also, like you said m- many times, taking action. One question I have for you as a white man, I, you're probably hearing from a lot of people that's, that are saying right now, like me, we support what you guys are talking about. How do, what do we do to take that action? Because we obviously can't feel the pain we, we haven't lived. Yeah. But, but what would and- you say to, to somebody like me that's, that wants to do something? Man, I, I think for the most part, I just think people just need to be educated and learn, learn the history of black culture. Like from, from a standpoint, you know what I mean? Like people see black music, you know what I mean? They see, um, they see athletes all the time. The favorite athletes a lot of times is black, but you got to really understand what it means to be black. You know what I mean? And, um, and so, so if you don't know the history, it's very hard to empathize. And so from a standpoint, if anybody, if anybody has black friends or if you're curious about something, do, do research on black history from from slave, slavery to modern to the 80s and music everything to, to now and see what people have gone through because because to be honest like in the grand scheme of things it's really just unfair like you know what i mean like pe- people say hey man 
I disagree with the rioting. I mean, I'm all about pro peaceful protesting, but I don't, I don't, uh, I disagree with the rioting. And I try to tell people in perspective, man, like, like I, I'm not, I'm not a firm believer of uh, violence or anything, but at the end of the day, man, like this whole COVID, this whole COVID that's going on, COVID-19 that's going on in Chicago, 70% of the deaths that have happened here are African-Americans. While Chicago is less than 10% of black people. Then from on top of that, you can't work. So one out of five people right now don't have a job. But if you were to really look at it, for the black community, it's probably one out of three people that don't have a job. Then a lot of times, a lot of these black, um, black people are essential workers. So on top of that, they're forced to go to work because they have to. And, and so all this, all this that's coming like all this that's kind of stirring up, stirring up, stirring up, like with this, um, George, with this George torture, it kind of like, that was like the, kind of the final show that broke the camel's back. And then everyone's like, Hey, peaceful protest. What about Martin Luther King? And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, bro. You're absolutely right. Martin Luther King, he had a peaceful protest back in the, the day. He died from violence. Then, then people say, Hey man, let's quote Gandhi. And I'm like, Hey man, be the change you want to see in the world. But you got to really understand that quote of Gandhi. Gandhi referred to the British Empire as in don't compare us to those African savages. So, so even when you quote, quote Gandhi, there's still some racial, racial undertone from that standpoint. And, and from a standpoint, I just think people just need to be educated, learn the history of things. And, and when you can truly be educated and learn the history behind black culture and then, uh, blacks, the tension between blacks and whites in America, then you can truly empathize. Well, Fadi, obviously you're very passionate about what you're talking about here. Uh, it, it's coming through loud and clear. I appreciate you taking the time today. Is there any, anything else, any other message that, that you want to make sure gets out there? Yeah, I just want to say, um, obviously, people are just kind of bewildered, confused, or they don't know how to respond. And it's kind of easy for as a, as a person of privilege to keep quiet. But I, I really, uh, I really... I really uh, promote or recommend just say, man, just like, it's okay to speak up. Like what happened, what happened was wrong and it shouldn't happen again. And unfortunately this whole movement, this guy, this has everybody's attention and we just need to unify and be like, Hey, America, we're land of the free. We're better than this. Like at the end of the day with this whole protesting, everyone's getting mad about the violent protesting. If you guys don't remember the American revolution, the American America itself was founded off, um, uh, protesting at the end of the day, the Boston tea party, the saying was, 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 uh, the saying was no taxation without representation. And they, and the American people felt like they weren't getting heard. So in a way with African Americans, African Americans right now, it's kind of enough is enough. Like they, they kind of want to be heard and you can't be mad at that, to be honest. Like when you feel like a second class citizen in your own country, like it's, it's just not a good feeling. Uh, it's it's well said, Afadi. Thanks so much for taking the time today. All the best to you. I hope you stay safe. Hope the people you love stay safe. And uh, man, hopefully at some point in the near future, we are talking about football and you guys can get yeah. back on the field. But this is obviously what's most important right now in the world. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Here on the Hogan Johns podcast, we often get questions from local businesses about sponsorships and advertisements. So you advertise in this very show, just go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Johns, what a great way to wrap this up because if Adio Denebo's final message, speaking to the importance of listening, open up your ears to other people's thoughts, 
um, and educating yourself, which I completely agree with. And it's been one of the things I've learned in the past week or so is really how much I don't actually know about African-American history and especially in this country, even though we get taught things in school growing up, it's not the full story. And I just think it was great what Afadi had to say at the end. Absolutely agree with you. But my friend, just we wanted this podcast to, to be about listening and hearing three prominent Bears players out on some of the things that they feel uh, about the, the culture that they live in and stuff they experience. So listen, listen, listen. I think that's our final message there, my friend. So if you made it this far, and it's certainly one of our longer podcasts, um, we thank you for listening. We thank you more than ever. We always say that, but especially here to this message that you've heard today. And, um, you know, thank you for being part of the solution by sticking through it this, this entire way and realizing that right now, this is more about football. Um, and in fact, if I can, we didn't play Matt Nagy because we thought it was important to hear from the players. Uh, but he did have a quote today, if I can find it, that I think was important. Yes, quote, football is extremely secondary. We have to get life right. And I think that's a great message for this podcast. And football is secondary, which is why we will handle the football part of this tomorrow in our second podcast of the week. This podcast is about life. Uh, we... Hope that that came through. We thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. We will have a ton of coverage on everything that was said today. We will have coverage tomorrow on the football stuff. You can read Johnsy on The Athletic. You can get this podcast on The Athletic. You should be subscribed to The Athletic. You can do that at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where there is a free trial right now. And you can find my stuff at NBCSportsChicago.com where I have reaction and also a story and the full Q&A with Ifadi Odenabo that you can find there. Thanks for listening today. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow.